Okay, here we go. Here we are. We're back. It's been six months. It's been a long time since I've released a podcast. I've been on hiatus. Things have just been crazy, crazy busy. You know when people say they've just been like mad busy in a kind of like smug way. You know, like I've been to the Caribbean and I've been doing these business and my business has taken off. I'm, I've been smugly busy too. You know, A-list celeb meetings, dining on yachts, TV and video awards, you know, both presenting and receiving. Um, and just people doing hammering down the door. You, you've got to get this podcast back up and running. I've had Richard Branson, uh, David Attenborough hammering down the door. Um, he said, we've got to talk about the climate. We've got to talk about how to build a more resilient world. I was like, Dave, like, chill, chill. We'll get round to that. We'll get round to the climate. I'm going to fix the climate. Then it's going to be Brexit. But first, I need to tackle coaching. First things first, I've got to tackle coaching and get that sorted out. So the inspiration for today's session was very much born out of a social media post by another Dave who's going to be joining us on this webinar today. And he won't mind me saying this. I, I can see his, his face there and I've muted them all. They're in a little green room. I've got four people joining me. And Dave is a bit of an influencer, wouldn't you say? Dave, nod your head. Yeah, he's scratching his head. Yeah, he's an influencer. No, he's sort of, no, he doesn't know. He is. He knows he is. They put a, <laughs> he put a statement out to the community. And I believe it was, why does coaching have the reputation that it does? It was very crafty because it didn't intimate that there was a bad reputation or a good reputation. It was just, what do you think? Put it to the people. And even I was surprised at the negativity that was received about coaching as a profession. And, and it, it was like, a, it was a knife in the heart. It was a dagger. You know, this is, this is, this is what I do. This is my profession. And uh, people think it's, it's largely a load of rubbish. And today, this evening, we're going to dispute that live. You know, my podcast, if you listen, I don't edit them. I just go for it. Everything that we've done is just, is just put out there as it is, and we're going to discuss it. But we're going to do it in quite a formulaic way. So as I've mentioned, I've got four guests with me today who I'm going to introduce. And then I'm going to put a topic to them and each give them an opportunity to talk about that topic for just two minutes. I'm going to be really strict with times as well. If, if they ever run, I'm just going to mute them. I'm just going to kick them out. You know, two minutes. If you, if you talk too much, you get the red card. Yeah, two yellow cards, you're out. Uh, and then I want to invite them all back just to sort of go at each other and just have a bit of fun. And, and, and you know, you're going to really enjoy this. So it's going to be informative. It's going to be educational. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be everything. You know, forget David Asper. And, I mean, I've got David Brown. Forget David Asper. I've got David Brown. This is going to be great. Um, so I'm going to begin. They're all still muted. Like they've all sent me a coaching philosophy and I'm going to read to you their four coaching philosophies and then I'm going to do a little fun icebreaker that I haven't told them about and they're going to love it. They're going to love it. They're all smiling. They're going to love it. So first off, we have Alice Bromwich uh, and this is her philosophy. There is more in you than you think. I like to spend working one-to-one -one with a person and explore what their personal and professional aspirations are, the skills they have, how their business and home life are integrated, and the other factors that impact on achieving their personal and professional aspirations. Together, we then create a path, a roadmap that suits an individual's circumstances so that they can achieve their goals in a manner that suits their lifestyle and work pressures one step at a time, smiley face. Often there are barriers holding us back we are completely unaware of. Breaking these down whilst also helping you progress so that you are continually moving forward is my aim, smiley face. So I'm getting a bit of a sense that Alice has been quite a smiley person, which is absolutely fantastic. So that's her coaching philosophy. And I really like that, that's great. Thank you, Alice. And now I have David Brown. 
my approach is to get to the root of the problem quickly to move things along so people don't get too long to think logically i jump in and see what happens it goes where it goes sometimes they need to be held by the throat and confronted with their reality figuratively speaking i'm glad that said figuratively speaking coached by dave i've often likened it to fencing you have to keep going until you hit the right spot but no one gets hurt it's not my job to help someone be comfortable my job is to get them to experience their discomfort fully in a nice way then they can move on to the solution i think that's that's great no smiley faces um, but the promise of a good strangling and and who wouldn't like that Met a metaphorical strangling obviously Next, I have uh, Sakib Rafiq, and his philosophy is as follows. As an executive well-being coach, I support my clients by raising their awareness of their positive impact their psychological well-being can have on themselves, within their relationships, and with their engagement and productivity within the workplace. I empower my clients to unlock their inherent potential, perform to their optimal level, and identify and achieve valued goals. Through collaboration, support, and challenge, my clients reach their professional goals within an evidence-informed, non-judgmental, values-driven relationship underpinned by trust and confidentiality. And last but not least, I've done it in alphabetical order, so it's definitely not least, is Yannick Jakob. And his philosophy is as follows. Yannick is a positive existential coach, combining positive psychological science and existential philosophy in his approach to coaching. He holds master's degrees in applied positive psychology and existential coaching, and for three years ran the MSc Coaching Psychology at the University of East London. Yannick now works in private practice as a coach, trainer, supervisor, mediator, and change agent, while guest lecturing at a number of institutions as well as presenting at conferences internationally. His book, An Introduction to Existential Coaching, has recently been published by Routledge and is available in all major bookstores. If you'd like to learn more about Yannick's work, please visit his websites, existential.coach or rocketsupervision.com. So there we have it. Those are the philosophies. And what I want to do is actually bring them in because they are here, they are, they are real. I'm not just making people up. So let's let's bring them in. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Hey, hey there they are. Hello. They are. <laughs> can I can I just start off by apologizing because I Why? had sent you. I, I remember now. I had sent you a, a quite a long a few paragraphs of my about my philosophy, and then you're like, "Well, I'm going to read them word by word," and I'm like, "Oh, well, it's really quite long. Maybe I'll I do it a bit shorter." And that was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so earlier today. I sent you a very short bio, completely having forgotten that you were asking about my philosophy to coaching. So now, <laughs> now <laughs> this is far from a philosophy. This was really a short bio, so I apologize for that. You will notice that uh, my bit was a little bit different to the others. Oh, <laughs> I love you, yours, you, by the way. This is all great. Do you want to have a little space? Do you want to have a little space for your philosophy? I mean, we can, I can yeah. have a little space. Just, um, yeah. So my, my philosophy towards coaching is that every client is different and every client need like coaching is a relational thing between two people and the way that two people relate to each other are always by definition different. Um, so when I sit down with somebody, I need to figure out how do they best learn? Uh, what kind of language do they speak uh, in its widest uh, context of what that might mean? And we need to agree together on a way to work forward. Um, I have some, some things that I bring into the relationship and they bring something into the relationship and then together you work towards who they want to be or what they want to do and uh, that needs to be tailor-made to the person. There's some things that we all share as human beings in the world with others, some challenges that we all go through, anxieties that we experience, uh, but there's uh, tools that work for some and not for others. So uh, coaching is about creating that space and trying to figure out how to best work with somebody, how to best help somebody to work on themselves. Thank you, Yannick. Thank you. 
I want to do a, a little bit of an icebreaker just so that the people listening can get, get a feel for the, for the humans that are actually here. And so I just want to know what your favourite animal is. David, can you tell us what your favourite animal is? Uh, monkey. Monkey? Yeah. That was too quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, this question was um, posed on LinkedIn oh. only yesterday. So it's, it's fresh in my mind. Some of the trash that gets posted on that platform. On <laughs> Mostly by me. <laughs> a monkey. Fantastic. And why the monkey? Um, I suppose it's the, the, the fun aspect, the mischievous aspect of it. Okay. So you, you relate to the monkey, do you? I do. And I was born in the year of the monkey as well. Chinese oh, year. Okay. I hear they get quite aggressive when they hit puberty. But yes. Yes, and, that, and they, they throw unpleasant things at people, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a dark side, shall we say. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, a bit like people then. Okay, yeah. uh, Sack, who's your animal? Well, what's your favourite animal? Oh, I'm allowed to say I don't have one because I'm not no. really no. a great animal lover. No. Sorry. So, no. okay, I'm, I'm going to go with dog. <laughs> I'm going to go with dog because a dog... Because they can be very different. So you might have a dog. They've got personalities. Yes. And um, lovers of dogs always say, you know, man's best friend. Um, yeah. So I'm going to go with dog, but I uh, am not a great animal lover, unfortunately. It's a good animal. A dog's a good animal. Oh, yeah. A dog would have been yeah. my one. Good choice. Excellent choice. Yeah. Uh, Yannick, tell me about your animal. Mine's a black squirrel. Um, uh, yeah, I know, right? Um, on the day I got married, I woke up and I opened the door of the hotel where I was staying and uh, I saw a black squirrel and I had never seen one before. And I have a history with squirrels. I really always liked them. Um, uh, there's a long story attached that I want to spare you with it. But like, it was significant because I saw a black squirrel, the first thing I saw that day and the last thing I saw that day. So I'm like, oh. I guess I have a spirit animal now or something. Black squirrel. I've heard of a grey, I've heard of a red, but not a black. That's, right? that's great. Thank you. Thank you. And finally, Alice, what's your favourite animal? Uh, well, I'm afraid I'm a bit like Zach. So um, I work in some part of my time in the anti-poaching arena. So I love genuinely every animal and creature and bird because they just all have a place. But my uh, emblem, I guess, is predominantly a lion. Um, and so whenever you see me on LinkedIn or anywhere like that, you'll always see a lion first. Uh, but that's because I spend a lot of time in Africa. And then my favorite, my mythical creatures, which I just think are for winners, are the phoenix, because you can always rise again, and the dragon, because actually people fear it, and yet often it's been the savior in so many uh, legends is that the dragons are feared by many but come and save the day yes they're also kind of weird creatures aren't they because they steal women and then hide them and then people have to I come and find wow. them inside them depends which myths you're reading well George and the dragon <laughs> anyway we need to move on thank you very much I'm just going to mute you all now it's so great having a mute button just don't you wish you just have a mute button in life just like click that so we just talk then you could just hear the sea breeze and seagulls and just they're just talking and you're just in a world of peace um anyway, it's not it's not the real world so i want to kick off with our first uh, question that i'm going to pose to each of them in turn and i'm going to be pretty ruthless for giving them two minutes each i'm going to put my timer on now in fact so i don't want any yabbering um and to be fair I'm just going to do it in alphabetical order to kick off. And then the subsequent questions, I guess I'll randomize it somehow. Uh, I don't know how. I'll open up a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet. I won't, but I'll, you don't know that I'm not doing that. So Alice, I'm going to bring you in and I want you to just give me your answer to what is coaching? What is coaching? Uh, okay, so for me, uh, the idea of coaching is that you are able to enable an individual or a team to achieve their goal in the way they want to 
by bringing out the best in them. And so often people don't even know what they can achieve. But if you just told them how to do it, then you haven't empowered them. So the coaching enables you to achieve what you want in your own style. And then you can learn from it and repeat. So it's like building blocks. You're being able to provide someone the skills to build their own house. Um, foundations up. So you're really making sure that what they really want to achieve is solid. You've gone through there. Why do they want to do it? And then how are they going to do it? And then people are so creative. You just have to open floodgates and let them explore. Uh, so coaching, I guess, for me is helping them open the window into their own mind of what's within the arts of the possible and then go and achieve it. Wow. That's, that, that's a great answer. I've, I've just muted you again. So you, one minute 20 you took there. And I, I love the fact you talked about a foundation. I remember reading some, a book and, and that, that metaphor of the foundation being there. So yeah, thank you for that. Now, who should we pick next? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo Sack. What is coaching? Uh, thank you, Simon. Um, for me, I see myself as a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to coaching. So for me, it's I'm going to use some definitions that most of us are aware of, and I'm going to try and explain why I um, why I use them. So for me, unlocking potential um, is really fundamental to the approach that I use. So I really believe, and it probably it relates to my lack of love for animals though, but because I believe human beings <laughs> have the absolute potential to be whatever we want and, and, and how we want. And I think I've always grown up like that. Um, and so unlocking potential and then the, I suppose my um, definitions or what I understand to be coaching is constantly evolving. Um, so, but the performance element for me is hugely important. And perhaps that's why I've remained in the arena of executive coaching um, and linking it to professional performance. Um, again, with that unlocking, unlocking potential is um, when we link it to performance, what is interfering with that performance and how can I as a coach um, help whoever I'm working with um, to almost overcome that interference or to understand the interference first and then we work together to try and eradicate that. Um, I came across a, um, a definition that used um, the terms partnering with someone that I really liked um, um, that coaching is a creative process um but it, again it, it, it's working towards maximizing uh potential and performance thank you zach i need to shut you down that you hear sorry, that? you're the first sorry. person to hit the buzzer that was actually the buzzer going off you hit oh. your two minutes beautifully i think i used you. your time don't apologize yeah. <laughs> you used your time the others wasted theirs you used yours thank you lovely so who does that leave wave your hand is it dave it is dave isn't it Oh, Yannick. Oh, we've got Yannick and Dave still, haven't we? Yannick, what's coaching? Um, well, coaching, <laughs> I have a couple of definitions in my head. Um, I could talk around them, but uh, instead... I'd, I'd, I'd pick one. I'd like to read you one that I particularly like. Uh, it's by Nick Bolton, uh, founder of Animus, and he wrote, uh, Coaching is a conversation between the coach and the coachee or coaches, um, I generally think it's a it's a one-to-one -one thing. It's uh, you can arguably put a coaching head on when you work with groups, but I think really coaching is a one-to-one -one thing. Um, so it's a conversation between coach and coachee in which the coach facilitates a journey of reflective discovery, decision making, and action. The defining characteristics of which is the focus on the coachee's own choices, solutions, and agenda. Uh, I would add uh, within that uh, you would be open to uh, existential experiences or philosophical experiences, questions that the coachee asks themselves. Um, but I think one of the defining characteristics that make it coaching is the forward movement and facilitating action and choices. Um, uh, Nick also adds uh, afterwards that, of course, a statement like this, 
may capture the basis of coaching, but it doesn't capture the joy, the excitement, the challenge, and the reward. Nor does it capture the complexity of the process in terms of the feelings, thoughts, doubts, concerns, false turns, and more on the part of the coach and client. However, as an overview of the defining characteristics of coaching, it points to some key issues which remain consistent throughout most, if not all, of coaching. So coaching has a huge range of what it may be, and it seems that every coach has their own definition. I think, in fact, every coach should have their own definition. And I'm always astounded by how many coaches cannot really deliver a sentence or two of what coaching is. I think everybody can talk about it for exactly two minutes, uh, even though that is really difficult. You know, usually it takes about five, six, seven to really yeah. kind of start. I've got to stop you there. Thank you. Badly. <laughs> Sorry, it feels brutal. It feels mean, but we've got to do it. <laughs> and Dave, Dave, what is coaching? Oh, it's a big question. I feel a bit dark, actually. I maybe need to turn the light on at some point. I mean, I know what it's not. It's, it's not teaching, as, as, as some of the others have alluded to. Um, for me, it's very much about helping somebody to raise their own self-awareness. Um, it's, it's about, you know, getting very clear in their thinking, clarity of thinking, where they are right now, what it is they want so the thing they want the thing they want to achieve um and essentially filling in the gaps you know so along the way that that's about you know putting a plan in place i have a background in in manufacturing operations so it's it's very much around plans and things for me um but through the course of that work you start to pick up on on the things that hold us back um you know, the fear and, and, and those kind of things, but also where it comes from for me. So, you know, I do a fair amount of work in, you know, digging around in the past, what are the, what are the experiences that have brought them to, to where they are now? Uh, but, but fundamentally, it, for me, is about clarity. It's, it's organizing your thinking um, in order to get to where you want to be. And actually, that just brings a different way of being, you know, internal state, those kind of things. Um, to, to be yeah, optimum, I guess. Lovely. Thank you very much, Dave. And I think it's, it's important that I mentioned something at this point that I did deliberately bring together an array of diverse coaches. And I think you've just experienced that now as the listener. And that's part of this discussion that we're having is the interpretation of what it is. And as, as Yannick said, every coach should have their own definition. And there's no really sort of right or wrong about what that should be. And what I'd like you to do now is I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bring them all in. I'm gonna unmute you all, and I'm just gonna let you just have at it. Just so what have you What have you learned from each other through that? That what you've just heard. What do you think? Do Anybody? we get to see you, Simon, again? Oh, if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. There's that beautiful face. <laughs> nice one. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm happy to jump in. It's like. Um, I tend to ask that when I when I do talks on coaching and just to kind of to see a show of hands who has a sentence or two. And uh, I, I sometimes I would love to get every coach's definition, but it's so difficult to define because there's so much overlap. Uh, probably like two thirds of coaching definitions I hear that would also fit a bunch of other things that you can do. You know, um, like uh, I think, David, you mentioned uh, raising self-awareness. Some people just kind of let that linger in the room. Coaching is about raising self-awareness. Or coaching is helping people learn. Teaching is helping people learn. You know, so many other things are helping people learn. Uh, talking to a friend might raise your self-awareness. So I think it's really difficult to put your finger on the defining elements that make it coaching in an unregulated profession. Thank you, Yannick. Anyone else want to chip in? Um, I, I guess um, Simon, from my perspective, is just I think all of the three um, other descriptors, I think for all of our, well, definitely from my own coaching style, I use all of them. It I just thought you were going to say, but not as good as mine. No, never. <laughs> That's not very collegiate. So, um, you know, definitely from, from my perspective, it's just you're you're always looking on that timeline of where are we now where do you want to be in the future what factors have you got from the past so i think what all of the the gentlemen have brought into it are critical to being able to break through and get personal or professional success but 
I think maybe what's also come out is a clarity call if you're choosing a coach is also critical because actually mm. pairing yourself with the ethos, the energy and the style um, may actually be where people have made a, a choice of a coach because of what's being portrayed on social media or something mm. different or someone else's view. But every person is different. So, yes. you know, I love doing loads of the behavioral profiles, looking at your body state, I'm exploring being able to work with your heart rate and all sorts Ooh, of different heart things. heart rate, all right. Yeah, which is cool. So you can literally see the physiological aspects of your recovery and what takes you to stress and back again. I'm working with outdoors, indoors. So we all have our own style. Mm. But I think our main aim between us all sounds very similar. Yes, absolutely. There's definitely some commonalities in there. Uh, You'd hope so. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, actually, I think there's a difference between like an academic definition of what something is, really trying to get to the heart of what separates it from all the other uh, helping by talking practices. Uh, so there's, there's the definition in terms of academia, very precise and stuff like that. And there's just telling somebody what coaching is or what your coaching is, uh, which you ideally formulate in a way that the person you're talking to can really grasp it. Uh, rather than using very technical language, which is, uh, you know, very difficult uh, under undertaking. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, I think that would anyone else like to chip in? I'm, I'm, I'm quite keen to get through these, unless you've got something you really think, yeah, I want to add it in now. Anything? Uh, well, I just wanted to say one thing. And look, I think, I suspect the definitions that everyone's just given are very closely related to their style. Um, and I think... I think these differences are part of the reason why there's some confusion about coaching. That's why people perhaps don't grasp what it is, don't understand it. And, and that's why it comes in for, for such a lot of sort of negative, negative talk and negative thinking. Um, that was all really, I just wanted to say that. Thank you, Dave. Uh, and actually that segues quite nicely into our next discussion point, which is why are there different types of coaches? We've, we've talked about, you've each given a definition um, a coach has uh, some commonalities in what you said helps people to improve, to overcome, to to, to achieve. Um, why can't they just be a coach to coach everybody? Why do we have why do we have different coaches? Why why do I see a a I coach <coughs> sort of British pregnant women who are six to nine months pregnant between the ages of thirty and thirty five who are looking to get back into their accounting career? these niches and I want to explore that with you that why do we have to have different coaches and the first person I'd, I'd like to ask that to is, is Dave please Dave why do we why do we have different coaches oh hang on Dave is muted I'm gonna unmute <laughs> so he can talk because it's not much good if he can't talk if someone's being a bit noisy it's Alice I think it's the wind not, not that yeah. Alice is windy. I think she's just in a window. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so, so to answer the question, um, actually, what was the question? I've forgotten what the question was now. Why do we have to, why are there different coaches, the uh, niches? Yes. Um, I, I think that is driven by, by the kind of the market and, and marketing as opposed to being driven by coaches and what, what coaching is personally. Um, you know, the, the big thing in, in marketing now is about, is about finding a niche. And from a business point of view, I think that's, that's a sensible thing to do. Um, but, you know, I've never felt that I couldn't work with a certain group of people. If you think about coaching in its purest form, it's about helping people to change their, their thinking and how they feel and all those kind of things. Um, I, I don't see any reason why any coach who's a decent coach couldn't coach anybody. On anything and and I, I personally have worked with a very very wide range of people on, on, on lots of different things um, so I think yeah I'm a man of few words I think that's my answer lovely I love people of few words thanks Dave <laughs> <laughs> makes for concise podcast right yeah. muting Dave I just I really want to get involved in this and just say yeah I really agree with that or no I don't but I have to not I'm just gonna remain neutral and I want to ask Sack next if I might Zach, why do we have different coaches? Yeah, I, I um, agree with what David said there, actually, and also something Alice said earlier, that the reason we have different coaches is because we're dealing with human beings, and that 
relationship that you build and the needs of an individual are very different. So I agree with David to an extent that as a coach, you should be able to coach anybody. But I think in reality, that's not the case. And there must be a reason then. So whether through marketing, a client might think, well, I might need somebody who's gone through the same experience. Therefore, I want them to coach me because they're, even though we understand what coaching is, where you're not telling anybody, maybe it would make that um, the, that person feel a lot more, com- you know, uh, much more comfortable and open and be able to get that trust. Um, so as complex as humans are, I think there's a perception that you need a coach who understands that specific complexity, if that's why you are searching for coaching. Um, so in my world, as an example, um, I suppose I assimilate more with perhaps people who understand sport, as an example. So if you've performed or, you know, if you enjoy sport, you might enjoy the way that I coach. And as opposed to somebody else. So what might attract them to my style of coaching might just be that. Or it might be my lack of love for animals. <laughs> I don't know. As complex as we are as individuals, I think coaching can match up with those complexities, if that makes sense. It does. It does. Uh, oh, human you. needs are great. And I think that's why there are so many different types of coaches. That's the buzzer. Great. Great. Alluding to that relational aspect of coaching. Thank you very much, Zach. Help me keep track here, guys. Who haven't I asked? Waved your hands because I haven't muted you. Alice and Yannick. Who went first last time? Alice went first last time. So Yannick. Yannick, why do we have different coaches? Two minutes, go. Yeah, my first instinct was, are you kidding? Is this a trick question? (laughs) Um, And then I thought, oh, yeah, well, I guess you could ask that question. For me, it makes perfect sense because, as you know, uh, from my philosophy, I think coaching is relational. Um, there's tons of research that says uh, in therapy, the driving factor that leads to success in therapy is the relationship. Uh, the same according to McKenna and Davis is the same in coaching. So if you take a relational approach to coaching, then you have to find a good match. There has to be a good relationship. And I don't think that you can claim or argue that it's possible to build a good relationship with anybody. Some people just hate your fucking guts. You know, and you can't, there's nothing that you can do about it. You can try to convince them that with your degrees or with your training, you can use some NLP techniques to create rapport, you know, but like it needs to be authentic and it needs to be real. And if you, like, you can't build that relationship with just anybody. So, uh, and then there's also uh, people who specialize. Uh, there's coaches with more of a consulting or mentoring element in their work. And uh, it's fair play that if you've worked with, uh, to 500 clients who are all uh, pregnant in their 30s and they want to get back into their accountancy career, you know your group, their demographic quite well. And you, you, there are certain patterns that you have spotted because you've done so much work in it. So uh, yes, there's that marketing aspect too. But these were three things that I, I would be my first response to that question. Thank you, Yannick. And Alice. Alice, why do we have different coaches? Uh, yeah, I'd... I'd um... I'd actually agree with all of the boys from that perspective is I think because the the background is the fact that we should all be able to coach anybody. So the background is to be able to bring out the best in each person move forward. But the idea that also people want sometimes a style of a little bit of mentoring too. So actually quite often I've been employed to be a coach and a mentor because of the environments I've been in. So I've run large teams. I've worked in austere environments. So if I get taken to Somalia, you know, that's because I'm very comfortable there. And then you can focus on the human being and you're not distracted by what's going on in the background. Mm. Or say, for example, I take people into the big outdoors to go swimming with orcas or to go down and be in, you know, safaris so that that's where they're doing their, getting their brain space. But you can trust me to take you there because they know I've already been. Whereas, so anybody could coach in that environment, but does anybody want to go? So you're also potentially helping match, I think, like Jakob said, with the, the aspect of you know where where people want to be and who do they trust so I would really trust a social media expert for example to help coach me through how to develop a social media strategy 
And if you can be a great sportsman, but you'll probably go to a tennis player to help you learn how to play tennis. Or you'll go to somebody who's going to help you play baseball because it's slightly different, even though you're going to be a high-performing sports person. Um, so I guess it's the nuance of exactly what someone wants to achieve. And then our ability to really pull out the body language, the extra little piece that comes from somebody who might be in a different brain space to someone else. And if it's all about being able to bring out the best of somebody, we have to be able to get inside. So it's potentially where we've also got the exposure of what to look for ourselves. Mm. Um, so that can build on our professional knowledge through our own experience. And we're human. So experiential as well as academic learning often complement each other. Wow. Two minutes on the dot. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to have to. Yeah, you're <laughs> it's good. You're doing good. Uh, we're going to have to build up some pretty serious trust if we're going to go with orcas, swimming with orcas, just as an FYI, which I do want to do. Uh, right, I'm going to let you all unleash and just have a little powwow together for a few minutes, okay? <laughs> so go on, off you go. What did you think? What do you think of each other's answers? Don't hold curious. back, come on. I was curious how you can agree with all of it because... Uh, are we able to work with anybody or is it impossible to work with everybody? I think it's the, uh, the idea that us, that coaching in its broadest sense, you can sit down with a coach from a good coach from anywhere and they'll still bring out a new thought process for you, even if they don't know the environment you're in. Whereas to, but if you're looking for a specific outcome where you have a very specific goal, it's not a, you know, say for example like the pregnancy one I've never been pregnant so I know that the girls who do that are able to empathize and produce the empathy as well as the professional knowledge and it's just not an area I'm interested in so they're all I think the client sometimes is also looking for a mentor as well as as so somebody who can maybe you should never offer advice but maybe our questions can be um developed because of the exposure we've got so we can ask more probing questions where we have more depth of knowledge right so so a good coach Sorry, can yeah, yannick i'm just gonna value. i'm just gonna just clarifying so a good coach can 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 offer some value but arguably some coaches offer a lot more value than others based on their relationship with somebody uh well i think it depends on the outcome of what the, the person wants so finding somebody in the niche um you know say like, like I say if you want to be a ten tennis star then find then at times going to speak to a rugby coach will be brilliant because it will unlock something you haven't been used to seeing but you might well go back to another tennis hero because that's the area they're used to pushing somebody through Dave I can see you sitting there ruminating yeah, no, I, I mean I, 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 fundamentally it comes back to the relationship between the coach and their client that's 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 the key as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, we, we've talked about sport here. I have worked a lot in sport over, over with the cyclists. Last uh, with cyclists, I know. Well, cyclists, golfers, um, ten pin bowling, darts, all these all these different sports. And believe me, I'm not very good at any of them. Um, so I, I think there's well, there is some 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 disagreement here. Um, I, 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 I would still say that that it's the client perhaps who needs this kind of niched coach or that gives them some, some additional confidence in them um, just because of what they call themselves. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the best coach for them. I mean, I think the other way of looking at it, sometimes you really do need a coach that's very different from you that actually doesn't have the experience. I mean, I sometimes describe myself, I'm like a, you know, an eight year old boy in a 51 year old man's body just asking asking <laughs> stupid irrelevant questions why sometimes that's well it's asking those very simple questions that, that why people, sorry why why what oh yes i see what you're doing there. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Well, but, but that sort of thing you know is why is the sky blue dad um so <laughs> i mean just so we I, sing along it's just <laughs> It's horrible to have to, to cut these off, but we've, we've got to do it. It's got to be done. It's a choice, Simon. It's a choice. No, it's not. <laughs> I, have an I have an agenda and I'm going to get through it whether you like it or not. So that's <laughs> I feel like Boris Johnson. No, I don't. Not at all. Uh, right. The next question is going to be, 
Oh, this is a good one. This one I'm looking forward to, uh, of probably most of all, actually. Is it more important to have qualifications or experience as a coach? Sat, could you, could you lead me in on that one? Great question, Simon. And one that um, I always ponder why I might not have got the client or the work. And what is it about me? But I think the way that we are, um, you know, um, David's point of view, Alison, Yannick's point of view, I think we're hitting on the issues with coaching. And again, uh, I'm going to um, say that it depends on the relationship you have with that person. And whether we as coaches, and I have no idea uh, of, of the levels of experience or qualifications of, of everybody uh, who's on here, I think it's up to the client. And if, if the person you're working with is happy with what you are doing, then who am, who am I to make a judgment on whether um, it's experience is more important or having a qualification in it so our profession after a weekend of training you can be a coach and on the flip side you can get master's degrees and PhDs in the subject I think again it depends on the client and if that's what the client wants that's what they'll get um, it might be a bit of a cop-out there cop-out answer no um, not. but yeah, I think I'm going to start the discussion on on that. Because, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Okay. Right. Who wants to go next? Come on, who's chomping at the bit? Who looks hard? Yannick, he always wants to go next. So I'm deliberately not going to choose him. I'm going to choose Alice instead. Go on, Alice. Um, I'd say, well, I know this is only just anecdotal from myself, is that, oh, um, so for me, it's just, I'm still on my own journey. So as I come across areas where, for example, with the human physiology and what's affecting the brain, there's some amazing research that's been going on over the last few years of, you know, your brain is the largest nervous system and your gut is the second one. So I'm now learning loads of, or trying to learn as much as I can about, you know, we all know healthy body, healthy mind, but what makes a difference? How does that affect us? So when I'm looking at resilience and being able to ask the questions of what people are going in, you know, what's affecting them, I'm then able to ask different questions and try and understand their situation better. And hence, you, you was like, oh, unusual looking at your um, heart rate. But that, again, is something I'm exploring becoming trained in. Not everyone's interested in how your heart rate works. But I've then seen how the heart rate, when people are being asked questions, you're then able to see literally with a screen how the heart rate is altering depending mm. on the questions you're answering. So you know you're and pushing the right buttons. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so for them to even see themselves, what's a stressor without it all being very ethereal, for some people is what they like. And I, and I just love being able to explore the, where science is supporting what often we intrinsically know from the rapport and the relationship we have. But for the non-believers, so to speak, it gives it a much broader church. You're able to bring them into knowledge areas that your clients may not have explored that might be affecting them in a slightly oblique manner, as well as just the coaching. Mm. Um, same with behavioral profiling. And hence, we are getting to know so much more about the fact that there are very different styles of communication that different types of people like. Mm. And that's our job as professionals to work out what works best for them. But they might not know it themselves. <laughs> Thank you. That's fantastic. Yeah, bringing the science in there. I love data. I'm a scientist. So yeah, mm, data. Uh, functional MRIs, put a client in it and coach them, see what parts of the brain light up. Great. Yannick, I feel like I've been a bit mean to you. I mean to be. Go on. <laughs> I, I have a thick skin. Um, Good. If I was an animal, which one? Anyway. Um, <laughs> I still want Zach to like me. So um, my first reaction was that they need to work in combination um, if we take experience as in having experience in coaching clients rather than experience in what the client wants to work on so what's more important experience or training uh, qualifications 
I think they have to work in combination if you want to be the, the best coach you can be. If you only have training and you never work with clients other than in the training room, coaching other coaches, um, you're not going to be the best that you can be. And if you are, I've met some intuitive coaches, never read a book, never done any training, uh, never really looked into any theory. They just kind of intuitively do what they, what they consider the right thing. Um, they do some tremendous value and they do some amazing work. But, and arguably some, some people have more coaching skills because of their experiences in their lives, the way that they grew up, the parents that they had, the interactions that they've had, friends. You know, some are better listeners than others. But like, I think if you completely ignore all of the coaching theory and any coaching training, you, you cannot possibly be as good a coach as it can be because the training and qualifications, they're inspiring you to think different, challenging assumptions, questioning the way that you relate to people. Um, so we, we need both and they need to work together you need to do a bit of training and then uh, you need to take that out and uh, experiment with it and then take it back and reflect on it. So there's a constant interchange um, between, um, between qualification, training and, uh, and experience with clients. Thank you, Yannick. And Dave, what's more important, qualifications or experience? Um, I, 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 again, I, well, I don't think qualifications necessarily are important. I think training is. I think you need to start off with with some kind of training. Um, I agree with with SAC to a certain extent. You know, it's it's, it's really down to the client. Uh, but I don't believe a quali well a qualification in itself doesn't make someone a good coach in the same way that you know a qualification as a doctor doesn't make him a good doctor. Um, Personally, you know, I don't know, maybe the splits for me would be sort of 75% in terms of experience and 25% um, in, in terms of qualifications or actually training rather than qualifications. Um, and for me, I think, you know, my, my training just kind of kick-started me and, and, and got me very interested in people and how they think. Uh, it gave me, I think, a bit of structure to my own sort of views before I'd done that training, just in terms of how I thought people, you know, already worked. Uh, so, look, yeah, a combination of the two in, in, in the sort of proportions that I just said. 75-25. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It might be different, but, you know. That's a good, that's a good approximate. Excellent. We've got about five minutes left because I know we said we had to cut off at eight o'clock. Um, we can do another topic now or we can, we can wrap up. I want to I wanna ask you guys, what do you want to do? Do you want to... Do you want to address the next one or do you just want to just have a bit of a free for all and, and, and have a chat about what you talked about? I've got I'd 10 minutes extra topic. if we wanted to. Okay. I'd love another topic. Yeah, I'm happy to. Oh, they all want another topic. Look at this. They all said, oh, Simon, I have to get off to this super important thing I've got at eight o'clock, but now they want more. Forget that client. Forget that. Forget that dinner meeting. Forget that date. Ah, I'm talking coaching. Uh, so this I'm is... worried about Alice. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting dark. <laughs> getting dark. Well, and, and I am the person that's meant to be at the dinner. <laughs> so I'm feeling yeah. slightly bad. Right. But, well, but hey, but we can, there's always time. Yeah, and we're going to do another, we're going to do another episode. I've got loads of ideas, live coaching, coach, it's, it's, yeah, we'll do more. So don't worry. Let's, let's tackle the, the final topic and then we'll just have a, a final sort of get together. The last topic is how do we determine if a coaching service has been successful? So that this is this ROI uh, question. The reason I put it in there is because uh, I think that the, personally, I think that the, a lot of clients, particularly when you go to work in an organization, they want to, before they pay up a lot of money for coaching or any money at all, they want to know if they're going to get any money back on that. Uh, you know what's the currency of coaching you know what, what am I going to get back as an investor if I if I hire you Zach uh, uh, to to coach my team if I hire you Yannick so I can um, sort of address those existential needs in my life David if, if I if I hire you to help me get to the nub of the problem and, and be courageous and Alice if you take me swimming with whales and strap me up to a heart rate monitor and find out you know how I'm responding in certain environments you know where's my money going to come from you know, I want value. Um, so first off, David hasn't been first. So I'm going to ask Dave to, to go first. A couple of minutes. So how do we determine if a, 
coaching service has been successful ROI? Um, quite, quite simply, you ask the client. Um, there's not always a monetary value associated with it. Um, you know, we're often working with clients for them to be, you know, resourceful to achieve the thing they want to achieve. But equally, they've got to follow up and do the things that they've agreed that they're going to do in order to achieve it. So, again, this is a short answer for me. It, it's it's the client's view. It's the okay. client's opinion. Um, well, I'm going to tease you out a bit more out of you because you have been a yep. bit quiet. Um, there was a coach in London who uh, he charges £25,000 for a single yep. session. Um, yep. Can anything be worth that? Can, can any person <laughs> be worth that in an hour for coaching? Look, that, that person's going to be worth that to someone, assuming he's actually making money and he's in business and, and you know, he's, he's successful at what, at what he does. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and, and again, look, I think it, the, the price is largely driven by, by the, the kind of clients that you want to work with. Um, there will be some people in the world who have so much money that they'd laugh at you if you, if you said you charge only £25,000 an hour. Um, but ultimately the decision on whether they've got the, got the value for that is, is with them. Absolutely. Thank you. I prefer to charge 50,000 pounds to be honest with you, but it's just my rates. Okay. Who wants to come in next? Just wave your hand. If you want to come in, I've lost track. Zach, Zach wants to come in. Zach, how do we determine if coaching service has been successful in ROI? For me, it's, it, if I go back to the definitions I gave earlier and, and my, the way that I work, that it's on performance. So you would suggest that performance can be measured, therefore. But the performance that perhaps I am working with might be a change in attitude, which might improve performance, or it might be a behaviour change. But I would find it very difficult to... Um, because many of my contracts are three-way contracts. So I'm being asked to help somebody else perform better. So whoever that third party is has to somewhere within the process of coaching see that I have nudged that person towards an improving performance. And I use the word nudge <laughs> on purpose because... Depends on the time frame or so on. But, you know, somebody's awareness that their heart rate is doing this, what, what, what Alice has been talking about, might be enough of a nudge to improve their performance in a particular task or within a particular relationship. So for me, I have to come up with ways with the client where we can highlight, okay, how will we know that this coaching has worked? Uh, I think as coaches, we should be able to answer that mm. in a way um, that, okay, well, working with me, this is where you're going to get to. Now, whether that's achieving a goal, by the end of it, there is something that should have changed. And the way that I look at it is that that change is linked to their performance. So as an executive well-being coach, that interference I talked about could be their, psycho their psychology. Sorry, Zach, I'm going to have to stop you there. That's all right. But thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Oh, come on, help me out, guys. Who do I need to ask next? Yannick is pointing his little snaky finger. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> well, I never get to go first. <laughs> <laughs> Have Never you not mind. been first? Oh my goodness! I, I, I've been first in everybody's hearts. So I choose to believe. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Anyway, um, so when you talk about return on investment, you in coaching you exchange money or some other sort of value, something that you invest. You know, I have uh, I have a client at the moment that I'm working with pro bono because I really, really want to support them. They invest their time and they invest doing the work, putting the work in. And uh, I get a lot of meaning and purpose out of this. And also they uh, ended up recommending me to everyone and their dad. <laughs> so that's, that was actually a good exchange. But like when we think about, okay, so somebody's paying you for, uh, for value, how do they get the return on investment? Well, that is agreed between uh, you and the client. 
the client uh, comes to you and says, I want to be a certain someone. I want to have a certain attitude. I want to up my performance to a certain level. Some of that is easily measurable. For example, uh, quadrupling your income or something like that. Um, some of it is not easy to measure. Uh, there's now a range of very sophisticated uh, psychometric tests and assessments that we could use to measure, for example, confidence or even uh, ab abstract content, uh, concepts like meaning in life. Uh, so uh, science uh, helps us a lot in terms of measuring outcomes and returns and it comes more important in organizations than it is in the life coaching concept. Uh, I work with a questionnaire that has like, uh, I don't know, 24 items or something. And I also leave space uh, for whatever the client wants to put in. And a simple measure of uh, zero to 10, uh, how satisfied are you with this particular aspect? This might be autonomy, might be happiness, might be money, might be relationships, whatever. Uh, a subjective measure of when you came in, you were at three and now you were at six. So that's a return on investment. Very subjective. If you use a psychometric, it's much more um, precise if you want. Uh, because it's gone through a whole research process of figuring out how to measure that concept as precise as possible. Um, but ultimately, if the client is happy and they they, they say so, um, then you, that's valuable, right? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Yannick. So drawing in that sort of quantitative and qualitative element and looking at metrics. Um, who do we got? Alice? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I guess you've probably guessed that my... Um my focus is relatively quantitative as, uh, in, in the approach. So I guess for me, it's all about the goal setting. So as the guys have all said, it's about, is the client happy? But if you've ha helped them structure, you know, the whole goal, smart goal idea is that it's really specific and it's measurable. So if you've been able to help them create specific goals all the way through that they know that they've actually achieved, really, you know, yes, of course, the mindset work, being able to get them emotionally to move to places they've never imagined they could be able to go as far as positivity and productivity and things. But I, we also, for example, use um, resilience leadership assessment that, that looks at all different aspects of them as a leader. And so we do it at the start of the program and at the end, and then they have challenges that they have to do on the way through. So part of my coaching piece is having to draw them to explore in their own mind different aspects, but the even though the work is done by them, they still have a, you know, an assessment at the start, an assessment at the end. And for the business coaching, I think like Zach said, you know, if you, if you can see the performance has changed and there's a third party paying for it, when you go back and say, right, what deals have you been able to achieve or whatever it is that's within the goal setting, are you meant to have hired and fired, you know, to get higher performing team? Are you meant to, what are your KPIs essentially that have been set for you at the start? So if you've got it very clear at the start, you know what you're aiming to, to, to set yourself against. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that has definitely, for me, been able to provide a very clear ROI. So if someone's provided a 40% growth in a business, for example, over a, over a year-long period, I may only have coached for six months of that. But if they turn around to me later and say, Alice, that was absolutely because of what we went through and putting the foundations in place, putting me into the mindset space, then obviously that's a great person to go and get a referral from. Yes. <laughs> but um, I, for me, it's it's absolutely it's, uh, as David says, it's about the you know the what the client is happy with. But from my perspective, it's also about being crystal clear at the start about what they want to achieve. Thank and you. And then other things will come out as you go through, but you still know it's on their journey towards the final destination that they've set. Thank you, Alice. Thank you. Are we on the button? That was very good. <laughs> Okay, I got through everything that I wanted to get through. Um, we're probably going to wrap up now because these people have lives and to go to, I assume. Maybe they don't. Uh, but what I'd like to know before you all depart and we have a wrap-up is I want to come back right to the beginning as why this started, is the reputation that surrounds coaching. What one thing would you like the... Anyone could be listening to this. This is going to go on Spotify. It's going to be on iTunes. It's going to be on Acast. It's going to be on Radio Republic. It's going to go onto LinkedIn. It's going to go onto pretty much any platform. So anyone could listen to this. What one thing would you like someone to know or disabuse someone about coaching? It's just one thing. Anybody. I'm just, I've unmuted you all. You can just fly um, in. Yeah, I get to go first. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, um, the thing that really jumped out for me immediately is uh, there's a huge range of what coaching can be. And uh, just because somebody says they're a coach, you don't know anything about what that means to them. So if you're considering working with a coach, and I think anybody should consider that, ask them questions, ask them about how they work, uh, what are they like, what would that look like? Uh, yes, also, so how much ask a coach to tell you a little bit about how they work and their approach and their philosophy, um, then you'll, you'll find out whether you connect with that. And uh, it, it's worth exploring because there's so much power in, in coaching. There's so many things we can achieve through those conversations if we find the right person, I would say. Mm. And yeah, I, I would agree with, with Yannick. And, and I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier in the conversation. It's all about the relationship. If, if, that, if that doesn't work, nothing else matters. So, you, you know, go find the right person. Yeah, um, I, I would absolutely, I'm afraid, I, well, well, it's good that we're all on the same page. Um, time spent in recce is never wasted, as they say. And uh, making sure that you chime with somebody, get, make sure they give you a clarity call, look at the background, does the style, does the energy match yours and what you're looking for. Um, I think we've chatted about the fact you don't want somebody that's the same as you, but that you feel comfortable with, because we're going to take you to some interesting places that you may not have been before. And you have to really know that you want to trust and work with that person. And that, can, that has to be implicit before you start the program. Yeah. Just go on, no, no, sorry. It's me. Yeah, and no, I was just thinking, actually, I was just thinking, yes, I still think that is a very difficult question to answer. Um, I think as um, if you are considering coaching, you've got to ask yourself why that big why question, you know, why not go to the doctor? Why not go to a therapist? Why not find a teacher? Why not find a mentor? Why? What is it that coaching is going to bring to you? and for you that maybe somebody who doesn't do what we do uh, could bring. And I, I think I'm, I'm just having conversations like this. There might be a reason why the profession isn't regulated because it is complex, just as we as human beings are all complex and trying to, you know, what one person's reason for coaching could be completely different to somebody else's reason for coaching. But I think the more we ask the why and what, what's the difference that a coach can bring as opposed to a mentor or that or a different type of relationship i think once we begin to explore that further that then creates the positive relationship between two people because if, if i'm sat across somebody who just does not want to be coached but wants to be mentored that is going to change the relationship completely so i think carry on the conversations would be my, my answer <laughs> It's just you know, you all agreed that just is there anything you didn't agree on you know just in this discussion that you had i mean you all come from diverse backgrounds different approaches different styles what what really stood out for you from from what we've talked about today have you learned anything um very briefly for me is i haven't seen any of this negativity on on the online so i the one of the reasons why i responded to you was because for me that was an anathema I've never actually come across that. I've come across cynicism and I've come across lack of understanding, but not the negativity that you guys were describing. So that was for me why it was fascinating that where the, the you know, that that people had that negative stance, but I've definitely found us seems to have a different view than UK. Um, I, think, but, I, think coaches, uh, I think coaches tend to agree that coaching is a great thing. <laughs> So I often don't have, I don't actually have many coaching colleagues. So uh, mine's mainly ex-military. And um, so <laughs> ironically, I don't live in a coaching bubble normally. Dave, <laughs> Dave, tell me about some of these that came on the thread. I saw the thread, but just what, what was some of the, the general themes that came out of it? Uh, well, no, just, just that it's nonsense. And, and it's, you know, the comment, comments about um, snake oil salesmen, um, you know that that kind of sums up the response. To be honest with you, um, and you know, I suppose if I if I if I think about, I'm obviously not going to mention by name, but certainly some of the some of the characters on there, I'm not surprised um, that that is the response. You know, knowing them as as, as I do, 
Um, but yeah, really quite quite strong negativity as well, to, well to, the, to describe it politely. There are quite a lot of coaches out there who kind of jumped on the bandwagon because they realized you can charge huge rates and yeah. uh, they have very little training, no qualifications and an attitude of, well, if you want it enough, you're going to get stuff done. And if you don't yeah. get stuff done, I guess you don't want it enough and I'll charge you up front. So you have an invested interest to uh, get out of your comfort zone and do stuff. They work a lot with accountability and they use some of these powerful but very basic and very short-term coaching techniques. And then uh, same as in the person, much of the personal development world, you know, you kind of just need to go to the next coach or get on the next seminar or, you know, uh, go fly wherever Tony Robbins is to get pumped up again. Um, yeah, I think the, the trouble is that there, are, that there are a lot of people who just jump from one thing to the next. It yeah. doesn't necessarily work for them. They just keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, and, and there are many coaches around, like, I guess you just sweep all, all those clients up. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's another episode. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think that's a nice place to end. You're, you're all looking sleepy like you want your bed. Um, I think my next client now. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Well, you're going to go in a better coach, I reckon, after what we've talked about. <laughs> just knowing that little bit more. We're always learning, right? We're always learning. So guys, thank you so much for um, tuning in. Um, you can depart whenever you feel free. I'm just going to do a little sign off uh, to my loving, adoring fans. And you can thank you for having us, Simon. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Thank you, Yannick, <laughs> David and Alice as well. Yep. Love you to meet you all. Ciao. See, how about that? What a discussion that we've just had. And they've all just left the best of friends. I thought there was going to be some animosity. I thought there was going to be some, some anger, but there wasn't. There was real consensus there at the end. And I think we really got to the point where we were able to understand coaching uh, from a coach's point of view, from four clearly credible and experienced coaches who are able to look uh, and give you an opinion on what it is to, to be a coach, what coaching is, why do we have these different types of coaches, uh, qualifications and experience, and how do we determine if, if coaching has been successful? And these are all things that I think that you as a customer, should you be considering coaching, be looking at, you know, having uh, conversations with your future coach to say, well, what is it that you can bring to me? What value you can bring, you know? even ask why am I having coaching to myself and I've really enjoyed this I really enjoyed this discussion it's great to be back on the resilience podcast and I'm going to wrap up and say good night because it is late and I am tired and I love you all very much good night <laughs>